What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Charlie. And in today's episode, we are reading chapters, is it 17 and 18? Oh shit, I don't know. In this episode, we are reading chapters 17 and 18 of Chamber of Secrets, aka the last, the last two chapters. chapters. Oh my gosh. So grab your favourite alcoholic beverage because we're going back to kind of old fashioned goblet of wine ways with some cider. Grab your favourite alcoholic beverages and join us for the final two chapters of Chamber of Secrets. Woo! It's been a whole two, two days. days. This has got yep. to be the shortest gap in between episodes it ever. It has. I feel like we're not doing our honorary. Oh my god! Oh, it feels like it's been, been so long. long. Yeah, but what actually? Why? Why that is? Is because we completely run out of batch recorded episodes. So. Yeah. So this is now kind of. I mean, less real time. Last episode is pretty real time. Mm. It will be about a week between recording Which and uploading. Which is the shortest gap between recording and uploading we've ever had. Mm-hmm. Time for the final two chapters of Chamber of Secrets! I'm really excited. Are you really excited? I, I know we said this at the end of the last book and we were like, I can't believe we've got to the end of the first book. We just thought we'd do one. I did think we'd get to the end of the first book. I didn't think we'd get to the end of the second. Really? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I know you thought went through yeah. a certain point we just keep going, but... I feel like, yeah, I genuinely, I never thought we'd finish the first book. But then by the time we did, I was like, this, this, this is a thing now. Yes, this is a thing we do now. We are these people now. Yeah, we run a podcast. We live in South London. We're entirely a cliche. Yeah, I now tell people I run a podcast. Yeah, I do as well. And then they're like, what's it about? And then I say Harry Potter and I like watch as like any respect goes. You can see it trained from their eyes. Yeah, it's actually quite impressive thing to do to people. You see them go a bit pink and then they're like, oh. And then they're like, I... Read oh. Harry Potter, and you're like, great, don't listen to it. Because it's only been two days since we recorded, we don't have many thank yous or anything because we haven't got any new reviews. Leave us a review, guys. If you hadn't, you can just go on iTunes and we'll read you out if you leave us a review. So do that. We did get a really nice Instagram message from Amber, who left us a really amazing message saying that she listens to this podcast sometimes when she falls asleep, which is mad because. That's it's quite what, a hectic podcast, listen, when you fall asleep. But yeah. that's what we do with the audio book exactly. sometimes. Exactly, I'm like, oh my god. So, hello Amber, if you're falling asleep right now. That's terrifying, I, don't do that to her. I hope you have a good night's sleep. Uh, and to anyone else that might be listening to this to get to sleep, thank you so much for saying we're that boring. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, she also says that she has two friends that are obsessed with Harry Potter. Um, and they call themselves the Marauders, which is like amazing. Mm. That's friends' goals. Hannah, so do we need cute. to get a third? Do we need? Do we need another friend? This podcast will get so hectic with three of us. Do we need another friend though? Yes, we need more friends. Definitely, we just need more friends. You have loads of friends. It's weird. Sorry. Yeah, you have some friends. Yeah, and um, yeah. So Amber recommended this podcast to her friends, one of which has dyslexia, um, so can really connect to the podcast, which is amazing. Oh, That's so cute. I like, know. I love it so much. I'm really, you know, look at you connecting to other people with dyslexia. I know. I'm gonna build an army and of dyslexics. And do what with that army? Uh, spell badly. <laughs> 
<laughs> we're gonna rewrite into spelling bees just for fun <laughs> yeah we're gonna rewrite a load of like classic novels mm. but with really massive spelling errors i like it yeah so thank you for that instagram message amber that was so cute it really made us happy and if any of you would like to leave us an instagram message or follow us on instagram we are quite active over there it's at gobble of wine podcast no just pod i think is it or is twitter just pod we know pod. all I our own this handles. This is Goblet of Wine. Oh no, you. you were right. It's Goblet of Wine podcast. At Goblet of Wine podcast. Um, Charlie, what are we drinking today? We are drinking, well, I'm drinking Copperberg, strawberry and lime. And what I'm are... drinking a Thatcher's Gold. They're both ciders because it's 23 degrees in England today. So what? We're very, very moist right now. And we know like there's this classic thing of British people complaining about the heat and people being like, that's not even hot. In my country, it gets to 40 degrees Celsius. Um, London has no air conditioning anywhere. Nope. It, nowhere. We yeah. don't own that as a thing. So when it hits over 20 degrees, it's hot. <laughs> yep. It's, it's very warm. We're very moist. Uh, so we've just been in a park drinking cider and having a mini picnic, which yeah, was which, adorable. When we were in the park, it was cloudy and starting to rain. You do realise we've just come inside to start recording and now look at the sunshine. Yes, welcome to England. That's, gonna, that's always how it's going to be. So yeah, we're on the cider, which I think maybe the first time. I feel like maybe I've drunk cider and you've drunk wine before. Yeah, I think this is our first joint cider episode. It's cute. It's quite simple, but I, I actually was going to suggest if the weather hadn't been like this today, we go back to basics today for the final chamber of like for the final of everyone. Yeah, nostalgia. We should always have like a beer and a wine. So I like yeah. going back to something simple. Yeah, yeah. classic little cider. We love simplicity. We anyway, do. anyway, chapter seventeen: the, the era of Slytherin. Charlie's made notes again. Yeah, well, so, I always make notes. I just don't always make plot notes. So we haven't had a chance to hear your guys' reaction to Charlie leading the notes, but this time we've both made plot notes, so we'll be switching it back and forth between us, which is what this podcast was originally meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one, imagine if between this episode and last episode we've been flooded with reviews like, this episode was terrible, Charlie should never lead it. Yeah. <laughs> Awkward, it's going to continue. And two, I feel like we never really set out how we were going to do it, because the first episode, I genuinely, it didn't occur to me that I, we were going to have to write down the plot. I don't yeah, know. so I turned up at your house and I was like, oh, I have notes on the plot. And you were like, oh, really? Do you? Mm. I was like, how else are we going to talk about it? I know, but I was like, oh yeah, thank God. So it wasn't through a lack of wanting. I'm just really dumb and I didn't really think how we were going to cover the plot. I thought maybe we'd like spark notes it or something. Oh, no. Yeah, but no, this is definitely better. And then since then, it's just been a fun dynamic that enables me to not do any work. Well, now you're being forced to. Everyone tweet and say they like Charlie half-running the notes. If we get a load of tweets being like, I hate it, we'll have to go back. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway, you so, start, please. Great. So Harry enters the chamber mm -hmm. and it's like completely silent. Mm -hmm. And it's like a really like the description in this book, that's what I've really been picking up on. Like there's some really like beautiful, eloquent yeah. descriptions of things. And it just sounds so fucking creepy. Like It sounds so disgusting and horrible. Yeah. and <laughs> Just like weird, creepy, like statues and atmosphere. And just like, imagine the terror of like entering that chamber and like, he's just like waiting to hear something. Well, it also basically says it's so dark that he can't even see the big statue at the end until he's like almost right in front of it, which means how dark must it be in there? Yeah. Like, I mean, he doesn't like Lumos and his wand, which whatever, Harry, but... Yeah, but I guess, like, I don't know, you wouldn't want to light it up and then the snake's right there. What and the then... <laughs> Yeah, exactly, but... Yeah. yeah, it sounds fucking terrifying. It like, him horrible. just, like, hearing, like, trying to hear for things, mm. like, really fucking creepy. Yeah. So then, at the end, there's this, like, a giant, like, statue of a face, and it describes it as monkey-like. Yeah, which I to me this. It's, like, really weird, because I don't know whether this is her trying to imply some weird, oh, it was so long ago that this is some kind of, like 
evolution like to me whenever you say something about someone looking monkey like it's like weirdly especially when you're talking about someone like way from the past right yeah like it's some weird like but then I'm like, no, because surely what, like, that's, that's like real long ago if you're going to play the evolution. Like, yeah, if you're playing really... the evolution card, we're talking more like 33,000 years ago rather than 1,000 years exactly. ago. Exactly. But then I Googled, I was like, well, when was Salazar Slytherin a, a thing? And, years ago. But it said like FL 900s. I'm like, I don't know what that means. FL. Yeah. Do wizards count their dates differently? I don't, I don't know what FL means. I thought, I, it was really around, I thought it was around 900 to 1000 AD. The alternative, if it's not some weird kind of try to imply that he's somehow less in, evolved kind of thing, then it's just JK Rowling being like, yeah, wouldn't fuck. It wouldn't fuck. Definitely well, I evil. kind of read it as like, like there's, he's this huge statue and I kind of read it as like an almost godlike statue. And you know, gods are sometimes described as like, Oh, yeah. monkey-like in some way that's how I read it but it was a weird description like yeah. monkey-like it made me stop and think about yeah. why it was monkey-like exactly I was like and I've never noticed it before but I was like that's a really weird description and it could be you know some kind of like god metaphor it could be some kind of like you know symbol about evolution but more than likely it's just going back to JK Rowling's dumb thing about oh you're evil yeah you gotta be ugly you're ugly and that so, comes up in this chapter, in the best way possible. Yeah. But anyway, to summarise, mm -hmm. 0 out of 10, Harry would not fuck Salazar Slytherin. Yep. But do you know who he would fuck? Young Tom Riddle. Yes. Hard. Yes. To, but to be fair, from the film. Oh my God, gorgeous. I, awesome. Wow. I'm yeah. so sad they couldn't keep that actor into the later films because the mm -hmm. later one was shit and not handsome. Sorry. But at the bottom of this huge statue of Slytherin is Ginny. Ginny is lying in between the feet and she is clearly unconscious. Harry tries to like wake her. He realizes she's not petrified, but she, and she's still kind of warm. So she's not dead. She's just unconscious. Yeah. And then he hears a voice, turns around and it's Tom Riddle. Yeah. And he's standing there in a kind of human form, but he looks a bit, Harry describes it as like glowing, hazy. Yeah, he's kind of like glowing, hazy, like weird, like kind of thing. Yeah, like he's not really there, but he's kind of there. And what I found interesting is Harry just implicitly trusts Riddle straight away. Um, he asks for dumb. help. Yeah, it I just, know. Like, it's so dumb. It's like, why else is he there? Like, I know, I know. And then at one point, like, like, how would he get there? I know. Harry literally says he thinks there's something funny going on. I'm like, yeah, no shit. You think there's something fun? What the? Have you learned Duh. nothing yet? Like last year, everything was weird. Why are you not questioning yeah. Riddle more? And then Harry's like trying to think about it. And he's like, wait, but he was 50 years ago, but he looks like he's still 16. It's like, Harry. Harry. He's like, <laughs> regardless of the age thing, like if someone's down there anyway, you know that they're probably evil because they're going to have needed to speak. But I think what this does is actually speaks of like Tom Riddle's personality in school and like the way that he was handsome and a model student and well-spoken and things like that and a lot of people did trust him in school and did fall under his spell and his charm and what Harry does here is how like some of Voldemort's rise to power happened because this mm. was the charm of Tom Riddle yeah which is why I almost find it disappointing that Voldemort ended up being just like evil snake like ugly man because yeah. it's a lot more interesting for a villain to be like this gorgeous well-spoken kind of beguiling person and mm. you can understand how people fall under that a lot more i guess yeah i don't know i mean it's interesting we get to see both sides of the villainy so yeah, we definitely. get both yeah i think it speaks to how harry is a fucking dumbass i mean that too he is a dumbass yeah both to be honest both <laughs> so this is where i'm gonna like go i'm gonna start talking about the diary and horcruxes this is a major theme throughout the next two chapters no so i'm shit. gonna keep going back to it um and like 
like obviously if this was our first time reading it we wouldn't be talking about horcruxes so much but i'm just going to use this opportunity to try to unravel the whole diary as a horcrux thing so riddle calls his diary a memory a memory preserved for 50 years which like is what it's always called in this book because we don't find out it's a horcrux until book six yeah which but, makes sense because he wouldn't be like so this is my horcrux this is myself isn't it nice but at one point he whilst explaining the whole thing he does say um that whilst Ginny was like like telling it all its secrets she was feeding his soul into her he was feeding his soul into her so the mention of souls does actually come up quite a bit mm. in this chapter which I didn't realize I was always like oh like did she know it was going to be a horcrux she was just kind of oh, like that sounds, that sounds cool it could be like a memory I can make that a horcrux I think the amount souls are mentioned in this chapter yeah, actually, I do. Because it kept saying Ginny pours her soul into the diary. She pours her soul. And that fed Riddle's soul and made him stronger. And then I was thinking about how what happened to Ginny. Like, because this next load of paragraphs is basically explaining that she, um, like, Riddle took her over and convinced her to do things. And she would forget because she was being possessed. And what kind of happens to Ginny, we actually do see a bit of in Deathly Hallows. It's like a very intense version of what happens to the trio with the locket in Deathly Hallows. The locket got stronger as it fed off the trio's emotions and feelings. And Diary and Diary Riddle get stronger as they feed off Ginny's emotions and feelings. So mm -hmm. actually, I always thought that there wasn't that... There wasn't that much similarity between the two Horcruxes and how they work, but actually they seem to work in very similar ways. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I like, obviously I really love that it turns out that this is a Horcrux yeah. and that Tom Riddle is Voldemort. But when I was reading this, I was thinking about how interesting it would be if this just wasn't Voldemort. Mm. If this had just been some random other student called Tom Riddle or like called anything who had like put part of his memory into a diary mm -hmm. because I think it's kind of unrealistic that with all the like, you know, secrets and secret hiding places that Hogwarts has, all the students that go through it, mm. that there's kind of like, you know, two baddies and like, you know, everything always comes back to Voldemort. Yeah. You know? It's always Voldemort Grindelwald. And I think that's unrealistic. Like there will be other people that have gone to Hogwarts who have like discovered and done weird dark experiments. Yeah. And how interesting would it be like if this just hadn't have been like, oh, you know, it's Voldemort again. Yeah. If it was just like, this is, you know, another time when some random student has, you know, encases memories. Mm. And I just think that would have been really interesting. Obviously I prefer it that it's Voldemort and this turns into Horcrux, but I think that's like quite an interesting line of thinking where you're like, why haven't they ever come across some other thing where it's just like, oh, this other student did this This, and, yeah. and like, maybe they have, but all the really terrible things Voldemort did basically overshadowed some of the terrible yeah. things that other students have done. Like, there's been shit wizards. Voldemort was just super shit. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, I always feel like it's kind of like, okay, these are the two evil ones. Yeah. And there's no... No other evil. There's no grey area and there's no, like, anyone else outside of that. Yeah. Anyway, so Harry still isn't really getting the fact that Tom is evil. He yeah. asks him if he's a ghost and then Tom does the whole... I'm a memory. I'm more than a ghost. La la la. Um, so Harry really isn't getting it. And he says that they have to get Ginny out. He tries to find his Ron. His Ron? His Ron. His Ron! Wand. Ron! <laughs> he tries to find his wand, but Tom has taken it. Harry still isn't getting that Tom is evil. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, like, give it here. I need that. <laughs> this is when he's like, something's funny is going on. I'm like, no, really? Yeah, he's so dumb. Harry's like, no, I need that. Like, the, the basilisk might come at any minute. And Tom's like, 
No, the snake won't come until it's called. Now in my notes, I just have Harry is so slow. Yep. On the uptake here, it's quite impressive. So then Harry, still really not getting it, is like, uh, how did Ginny get like this? Tom says that Ginny opened the Chamber of Secrets, Mm -hmm. but at first didn't realise that it was her and just was like blanking out and like losing her memory and not really knowing what was happening. Um, Tom says that Ginny had tried to get rid of the diary and this is when Harry found it. Yep. Um, Tom says that he was happy as he'd wanted to meet Harry. He showed him his Hagrid memory Mm -hmm. to try and gain his trust. Tom said that Dumbledore was always suspicious of Tom, so he couldn't reopen the chamber whilst he was at Hogwarts, which is, like, true, but also you couldn't reopen it because then it would have proved that Hagrid didn't do it. Didn't do it, yeah. And I have a note about the Hagrid thing. Like, Riddle admits here that he framed Hagrid and says Hagrid had always been in trouble in school, so he was easy to frame. Because, and then he mentions a load of things Hagrid used to do in school, like go and wrestle trolls. And also, raise werewolf cubs under his bed. Mm -hmm. Number one, can werewolves be cubs because they're humans who can turn into wolves, so how can they be cubs? Weird. Number two, did Hagrid ever actually kill someone at Hogwarts? Because I'm starting to think he did. Because he's literally putting monsters under his bed in yeah. a dormitory, he says, with other children. Well, we talked about last episode how he was definitely making sacrifices yes. to yes. Aragog. Yeah, so. no. yeah, and also werewolves. Yeah, And I love that he like goes off at night and wrestles trolls. Like, okay. What, yep. like half naked in a pit? Like, what is this? Yeah. Don't kink shame Hagrid. I'm sorry. There's also when he's, when Voldemort's basically doing his huge speech. It's basically a Voldemort speech for like 10 pages, which is just classic Voldemort. Mm-hmm. Whilst Riddle is going on his big speech that takes up so many pages, he mentions that, like, he basically starts talking about Muggleborns because obviously that's what the, the Basilisk does. It kills Muggleborns, tries to kill Muggleborns. And I always thought throughout the books, like when I thought about how Voldemort was evil and why he's evil, that he only hated Muggleborns as a way to get people who believe that rhetoric on his side. Like, I always thought he himself didn't really care about Muggleborns too much. I just thought he wanted ultimate power. Like, he wants to be on top. But then wouldn't he just become the Minister of Magic? Well, I I don't know. I just always thought, like, he used people, he used that line of rhetoric, like, of thinking Muggleborns were disgusting so he could overpower them and also get people on board like Lucius Malfoy, who had those points of view. Um, I don't know why I'd always thought this. It's just because I actually don't think he was ever specifically... He just was, like, evil towards everyone rather than very Mm. specifically Muggleborns. But then, like, in this chapter, he um, calls the work Slytherin did of getting rid of Muggleborns I guess he's like Nigel Farage, where he probably doesn't actually hate immigrants that much. Yeah. But he uses it to gain power. That's exactly what it's like. He's Nigel Farage. He's Nigel Farage. Um, That's exactly what I thought it was like. But he then calls, like, Slytherin's work noble. And he also talks a little bit about his mum and dad in these paragraphs and I think this is literally he doesn't actually hate Muggleborns because he thinks they don't deserve to study magic because he has quite a lot of respect for magic in general and he himself is half-blood I think he hates Muggleborns because his dad was a muggle and left his mum and it's actually a very personal thing Mm. for him unlike Lucius Malfoy who just thinks they don't they're a second-class citizen so yeah I just started thinking about that Tom gives his entire monologue and then Harry's like, oh yeah, but like you haven't succeeded because everyone's going to be brought back tonight. You mm-hmm. haven't killed anyone. Mm-hmm. 
um, and everyone's going to be brought back and then everyone's being sent home. Like, you know, you've failed. Tom then says that actually he no longer cares about killing mud buds. Yeah. Blood. Wow. Mud bloods. Mud bloods. In fact, his motivation um, for the past few months has been all about Harry. Ah, uh, yes. No, my notes take on from this. Yes, thank you. So, yeah. do you have a point? Can I? No. Okay. Continue. So, yes. He says he's been trying, his motivation has been trying to get Harry. And he mentions that part of his plan was for one of the muggle ones to be that Ginny would set the snake upon was Hermione because he knew that if it Riddle basically wanted to go to Harry into solving the whole thing so they could meet and find each other and talk um so Hermione was I always thought Hermione was just like randomly attacked because she was a muggle-born she was actually specifically targeted by Riddle like he wanted to attack her and kill her so that Harry would get angry enough to solve the thing and like I don't know how I'd missed that before but it was quite dark like i'd always just thought it was like colin creevy like randomly attacked but no she was found by the snake and like mm. that was also Ginny doing that which is really horrible when you think that like Ginny and hermione are such good friends and that's so upsetting for Ginny as well yeah knowing in her head that she did that to hermione like mm. oh yeah it's that's not really good nice. point i never thought about like because obviously it's horrible for Ginny. like once she realizes and anyone gets attacked but hermione must have been like yeah like really 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 yeah so tom says he made Ginny come into the chamber Mm -hmm. to try and lure harry there to save her uh tom says that he has many questions for harry about how he defeated voldemort and harry asked why he cares because voldemort is after your time and that's where i I have a note before that i'm sorry i have one more note before that and then we're getting to the same bit the note before that is that um, Riddle's basically explaining more about, like, he brought Ginny down. And he basically explains that Ginny's life is going to end and her soul will allow him to take a body. And, like, I'm, I'm just going back to, like, the, the Horcrux soul thing. So would the other Horcruxes have been able to do this? Like, take over a soul and basically kill a person to get another Voldemort body? Or does the diary, is the diary a Horcrux, but it also has different magic allowing this to do this? Is this Horcrux magic or is this different magic? I think it's Horcrux magic. So I you think the think... locket would have been able to do yeah, this? Yeah, I think so. But obviously like a locket, like unless you were whispering sweet nothings to it every night. Yeah. I, I think it's just like a different medium. And I think it's really interesting because... Like how did Voldemort, like clearly Voldemort did know that this was a possibility. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think, like, Dumbledore says something later on about how Voldemort considered this um, Horcrux as, like, the disposable one because it kind of had more of an incentive behind it than just being a Horcrux. Horcrux. So he must have known. But it's really interesting that there's, like, multiple sides to this Horcrux. Yeah, because, like, if someone had used a diary whilst Voldemort was still alive, would we have had two Voldemorts? And also, is the diary riddle, like, the diary Voldemort, real? Like, is he a real person? Because we know his life force depends on the diary because Harry stabs it, he dies, Mm. spoiler. Um, But is he ever real? Like, is he a real person? I think it's just this... uh, Wow. I think it's the same thing as when Voldemort possesses other people later on, like Harry, where if Harry was possessed by Voldemort and then you stabbed Voldemort in the face, that would... I think he's just as real as Voldemort. Wow, okay. That's kind of scary that he can basically like make more of himself Mm. so then jumping back to where you are because yeah harry says voldemort's after your time why do you care and voldemort's like 
uh, Voldemort is my past, present, present and, and future. future. And then does the very melodramatic... Mal- wow. I'm melodramatic. Really I have so many notes on this. Yeah, just like the shuffling around. Like, he's just so extra. Okay, so the bit we get to is that it's revealed that Tom Riddle is Voldemort. And how this is revealed is because he writes Tom Riddle in the air. And then it's an anagram of I am Lord Voldemort. Which, number one, is stupidly extra yep. and also just stupid. It's like yeah. he is clearly 16 because he's like, what shall my evil name be? An anagram of Tom Riddle. But it's not even like an anagram. Like, it's not like Tom Riddle made Voldemort. It's the fact that I am Lord I know. Vol- like, like, he just, it's like he knew he was going to have this moment. Yeah. But here's the great thing. Obviously, that only works in English. Yeah. Because I am at English words. So for all 68 translations of Harry Potter, they had to come up with a different way of doing this. I have a list of all 68 and I'm going to read some of the best ones because if you haven't read these, these are fucking brilliant. So, for example, Afrikaans, he is called Eric Mort de Halwes. Brilliant. That's his name. That, that's just who he is. In Dutch, to translate my name is Voldemort, he's called Martin Asmondom Villagen. Martin. French is my personal favourite. It's the one everyone knows. I am Lord Voldemort. Obviously, je suis Voldemort. So, Tom Elvis Judasoir. Icelandic, to translate I am Voldemort. Trevor Delgom. Brilliant. So, his name is Trevor Delgom. Good old Trev. Italian, I am Lord Voldemort. Tom Ovoloson Riddle. Uh, Slovenian, similar to Icelandic, he is called Mark Nielsten. Brilliant. The most evil man in the world, Mark, Mark. Nielsten. Uh, Swedish, Tom Gus Mervolo Dolder. Gus. And that's all the good ones. But what I wonder is, okay, so for this one moment, some poor translator had to work with J.K. Rowling to do this in so many languages. But what that means is for the ones whose surname isn't Riddle and the Tom thing is meant to come from his father, that means they had to basically rewrite book six to be like, oh no, their surname is now Nielsen. That's the family name. Mm -hmm. And he was called Mark after his father. Like this one thing of J.K. Rowling being like, I'm gonna do an anagram fucked her up so much later down the line and i've also read that in the chinese and japanese versions obviously because it's just a different language format there was no way they could do this so they just in tom marvolo riddle in english and then had a footnote in the books saying basically in england there's a thing called an anagram we can't do it here i love that so much yeah I I just think she had this really great idea. Explain the concept of an anagram. I know. I just think she had this really great idea, and then all her translators were like, "Do you do you even realize what you've done?" Mm -hmm. It's like at work when you try and make a pun in some copy, and Mm -hmm. then there's always that one person having to be like, "No, we can't translate that." Yeah, that happens all the time at work. We cannot translate. Ruins all my good puns. Yeah. You can't translate a pun. So Voldemort says that his dad left his mum because he found out that she was a witch. But like, he would have known the truth, right? He knows that that's not what actually happened. No, no, that's what he thinks. Is it? Yeah. But he like did investigation and like he found his dad. I don't think he actually knows about the love potion thing because that was never actually proven. That was Dumbledore thinking it. Dumbledore said, oh, I just have a theory Mm. that she used love potion. 
It was never actually confirmed, so... But surely if he went and found his dad... He didn't, and just immediately killed him. He didn't ask did him Did he anything. immediately kill We don't know. I don't know. I don't know, but... They, they could have had a conversation, like... I think he just got it into his head that his dad left his mum because she was a witch and then just hated him forever. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And, did, you know, basically, basically, Voldemort just has really big daddy issues. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, like all of this stems from just terrible daddy issues. So, Voldy says... <laughs> sorry, Voldy, because I've written it I keep Voldy. writing... No, I can't <laughs> write people to write Voldemort, so I keep writing Voldy. Yeah, Voldy says that he's the greatest sorcerer in the world, and Harry's like, uh, uh bitch, no. me. I love... He actually says, sorry to disappoint you and all that. I'm like, oh, oh the sass. He isn't just like, uh, no, it's Dumbledore. He's like... Sorry to disappoint you, but I think you'll find the greatest sorcerer is Dumbledore. Yep. Exactly. Sass. Yeah. Suddenly there's music and it's growing louder and louder. But Harry's also just like, the music comes because Harry basically starts spitballing about Dumbledore. He's like, yeah. he's amazing. He's the best. He I does love this. him so much. And then, yeah, the music appears. Yep. Uh, and it gets to its peak and then flames suddenly explode and there's a huge crimson bird carrying a raggedy bundle. Yep. Flies over Harry and drops the bundle at his feet. It's Forks, Dumbledore's phoenix, uh, and the bundle that it drops is the, the sorting hat. hat. And I have so many questions about like, how? How did Forks know to bring the sorting hat? And also, if Fawkes brought the sorting hat, was there for, was Fawkes just in the Dumbledore's office the whole time? Or was Fawkes with Dumbledore, wherever Dumbledore was, thought, I've got to go help Harry, but stopped by the office to pick up the hat before going to help he Harry? He must have been in his office, surely, because he so got Dumbledore there so quickly. So Dumbledore left the school quickly. but didn't take his bird. Yeah, but like, otherwise he must have literally been so close to the school because it was like seconds between Harry yeah. going on his, I love Dumbledore. Well, Fawkes can like basically apparate from place to place, can but it? yeah. Yeah, that's oh. what he does when he sets on... Like, when he does that Although, fire thing, he kind of apparates. No, 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 because uh, Dumbledore's back at this point. We just don't know it yet. So the minute that Ginny got taken into the chamber, it said later on, Dumbledore comes back. So Dumbledore's back. So Dumbledore back. is okay. at the castle. But still, does Fawkes have, like, a radar for Harry being just, like, a big fan of Dumbledore? He's like, Apparently, I heard it. I heard it. <laughs> I guess Dumbledore would be like, oh, there's, you know, these kind of unspoken kind of magics. That yeah. would be... He basically was like, only real loyalty to me would have brought Fawkes. So Fawkes just hears loyalty and is like, yeah. here I come! But like, why did he bring did he the, hat? the sorting hat? Why did he bring the hat? Well, he brought... So what I'm trying to work out from this chapter, and I think I did work it out in the next chapter, can the Sword of Gryffindor only appear inside the hat? Because Dumbledore says later on, only a true Gryffindor could have pulled that out of the hat. So that leads me to believe the Sword of Gryffindor can't just appear randomly to those who deserve it. It must appear only inside the hat. So Fawkes brought the hat because he thought that the sword would appear? No, so I think that it can... Like, you know, it's a thing. I think that basically... I think it was, like, lost or something, wasn't it? Yeah, Harry and actually then, finds it, technically. Yeah, so it'd been, like, lost for, for, like, many, many years. And then he pulls it. So I think that was some kind of magic because i think later on obviously we have him pull it out of the lake so i think there must be some mm. kind of enchantment but on... it was placed in the lake no no but the, what i'm saying is i think there's some kind of enchantment it's a bit like obviously the sword in the stone where like so yeah. i think there is some kind of enchantment on the sword where in order to wield it you need to prove yourself worthy through an act of bravery yes. i think that the sword is something that exists and can exist wherever it happens to be 
Um, and obviously then later on we have Neville pull it out of the hat as well. But again, it's the hat. Like, I think there's something about when it does its appearing thing, like not when it's just placed by people, because obviously Dumbledore puts it in his office, Snape puts it in the lake. When it actually needs to magically mm. appear, I think it can only do that inside the hat. Because otherwise there's no reason I mean, it is, for Forks to bring the it's, hat. It's um, Godric Gryffindor's hat. Yes, it is Godric Gryffindor's hat. So that kind of makes that, that does makes make sense. sense. But it's I just think... a weird loophole where, like, if Harry was in dire need and there was no hat, that means if he, he couldn't just get had the like sword. a supreme hat and was trying to like yeah. pull it out. No, like a... I woke about my baseball cap. <laughs> yeah, like it can only come out the hat, which is yeah. slightly odd. But yeah, I get it if it's Gryffindor's hat, which is why it must be. So Phoenix obviously, Phoenix Fawkes obviously thought Harry needs help. I'll bring the hat because it did might. They know. I don't. I don't think they that like it was an established thing. I think it was the first time anyone had pulled it out the hat in a long time. It wasn't the first time it happened. It the first time it Do happened in a long time. Yeah. Hmm. It's very interesting. It is, and they don't. Maybe really a question for J.K. if we ever meet her, and I'm not just attacking her. Yeah. Over her politics. Maybe I just want to know what Fawkes' thought process was with grabbing the hat. Yeah. But then Riddle is basically like, "Lol, you loser! Is this all you could have of burden of fucking hat?" He basically really underestimates everything because that's what he does. And then he basically just wants to chat to Harry. He literally says, "Oh, I'm gonna kill you." But, like, the more you answer my questions, the longer you live. And Riddle, this is your fucking problem from day one until book seven. Because you chat so much and you want everyone to know how great you are and how well your plans have worked, this is why you keep getting defeated every single time. And what I don't understand... Well, no, I do understand this. I was about to say he doesn't learn from this in book four, but of course he doesn't because it's not the same Riddle. Mm. The other Riddle doesn't know about this. But, yeah, he does this and then he does it again in book four where he's like... I mean, it's a trope in a lot of things. It is. Like, this happens a lot in Buffy as well, where, like, the big villain will have some massive speech, and in that time, that's when it happens in a lot. It happens in a lot. But Harry's really smart with this because he notices that in the time period that they've been talking, that Voldemort's been getting more, uh, like, like, becoming more real. Yeah, Yeah. more real. So he's like, well, you know, I'm not in a position to fight him, but if I am going to have to fight him, it has to be now because he's just getting stronger. So he tries to antagonise him by (laughs) calling him ugly. (laughs) (laughs) It was the best moment of this chapter. So he's like, yeah, I wouldn't fuck you. He literally does. He's (laughs) like, I've seen you in the future. You're a wreck. You're this. You're that. You're ugly. And I'm like, Harry, you're talking to like the most evil person in the world and you call him ugly as an insult. He literally's like, not out of 10, wouldn't fuck you, soz, you're ugly, you old man. Yeah. It's, I'm like, really? You couldn't think of any better way to goad Voldemort than to be like, you ugly. Yeah. <laughs> you G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you ugly. Yeah, yeah, you ugly. That's literally what Harry does that to is, Voldemort. That is Harry. I could not, I was, because we keep making jokes about Harry calling things ugly. This just took the biscuit. Yeah. So Harry explains that he, it was his mum sacrificing herself mm-hmm. for him that kept him alive. And Tom's like, oh, well, that's good. Because, you know, I'd always worried about you because we have so much in common. Clearly, he was worried about whether Harry was going to be some, you know... Like, super powerful. Super powerful yeah. dark wizard. And then he's like, oh, no, it was just a coincidence, lol. Which is kind of fair because, like, some of his points are like, well, we look kind of alike. It's like, you don't look alike. You both have dark hair. I know. Like, that's not... At one point, I swear, like, if I'd read this old, older, I would have thought they were going down the line of, like, Harry and Voldemort being kind of, like, the same person, or... Mm. I mean, they are related very distantly, but, like, more closely related, but no, it's like, Jacob yeah. just likes to point out they both have dark hair. Exactly. That's like saying Harry and Sirius look alike, and they don't. Sirius has dark hair. Yeah. 
So Tom summons the snake and the snake comes out of the big statue's mouth yes. thing. Uh, how did Tom always avoid co- eye contact with the snake? Maybe the snake doesn't look at I did wonder this. Like, mm. the snake doesn't look properly at him? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I also wrote down, this is terrifying. Yes, no, it's horrific. Because Harry, at this point, has to shut his eyes and cannot open again. And this is the point where I was like, this is like a nightmare I have when I sometimes have this recurring nightmare where I can't open my eyes. Like, something's happening and I can't oh, open my eyes. It's I, really horrible. I always have a nightmare where something's happening and I can't run. Oh, yeah. Like, I'll be like being like attacked by someone and I'll yeah. be trying to run away and like I'm just like running like kind of like in slow motion and I can't actually run away yeah. Snake comes out and Harry has to blindly run which is just horrible he cannot open his eyes and he's like trying to out there's no okay. way he can outrun it but like the thing is he's running away from the snake so he could open his eyes he could yes unless the snake's gonna be like <laughs> yeah just like <laughs> go over the top of but him. like a massive snake is not gonna be that quick no um and then Forks punches the snake's eyes out with its beak. And this is horrific and really fucking dark compared to the first book. This one I was like, holy shit. Like, I kind of forgot about it. Like, it literally describes the beak going into an eye and blood pouring out the snake's eyes. I was like, that is disgusting. Like, that is horrific. Really, really grim. I mean, cool. Well done, Forks. But yeah. Wow. That's Mm -hmm. quite grim. Yeah, so blood is streaming out of his eyes. Tom says that he can still... Sm- well, the snake can still smell Harry. Mm, no, Tom can still smell Harry. Like, he's really sweaty. Like- <laughs> I mean, I assume that they both can. Yeah. Because <laughs> Tom hasn't yet got the weird got the snake nose, The snake nose, yeah. 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 Uh, and so, yeah, so that the snake should attack Harry using smell. Harry prays for help. Like, literally, like, shuts his eyes. I know, and he's, he's like, like somebody help me! And he, like, seizes the hat and forces it on. Yeah, because then... the snake, like, whips it into his hand. Yeah. Like, Harry doesn't even get a moment to try to run to do something. The snake whips the hat yeah. into his hands and he's like, Okay, then it yeah, jams it it's on just his head. Harry being like really fucking lucky. Literally, as everyone always. does any everything for the, him in this chapter. Yeah, because like, then like in later, this chapter, a bird. Because also, I didn't realize the bird brings in the diary. He doesn't even yeah. run for the diary in like a moment of heroism. He literally yeah. gets brought the hat. Is just passed and, yeah, he's to literally him. like catch yeah. it. <laughs> so Harry's wearing the hat and he's praying for help. Uh, and then the hat like contracts and something hard hits him on the head, and the word is like. The line is almost knocking him out. That would knock you out. Could you imagine though? If a this sword. Been how Harry died. Or if it was the other way around and it was the front of the sword. Yeah, like, I gets just, stabbed I through the head. I think stabbed through the head or gets knocked out and then eaten by a snake. Yeah. yeah. Sad way to go. Um, so yeah, so Harry pulls the sword out and it says that the sword is encrusted with rubies bigger than eggs, which leads me to believe the sword is actually a normal size in the book. Whereas if you rewatch the film after like watching Game of Thrones and realise how fucking tiny that sword is. Oh my God, I can't it, wait. It's the same size as Needle. It's yeah. like from Game of Thrones. It's ridiculous. Because that is what we're about to do, guys. Next episode, film episode. Film episode. So the snake lunges, misses, lunges again. And Harry, as it lunges, pushes the sword up through the snake's mouth, killing it. But I hate also this bit of the film. Like it's pretty mm, gross, yeah. yeah. And but as Harry is lunging upwards, one of the snake's fans comes down and hits him in the arms. So the snake dies, but Harry also falls to the floor, dying. This is like such an important moment though. Like the fact that he's like stabbed the snake with the sword and this is a moment where the sword becomes something that can kill horcruxes because it's imbibed with basilisk venom because it only takes in that which is stronger yeah which is convenient sanity but also actually makes some sense like it's 
I'm glad it wasn't all done in one book, like it's here, mm-hmm. and then it comes all the way back in yeah. book seven. So it, and although it's convenient, it seems to make sense. Yeah, and like it's like we said at the start, how this isn't our favorite book. It's grown on me a lot mm. through doing this detailed reading of yeah. it. And I almost feel like why it's not fully fleshed out in the same way as the other books is because she had these things that she needed to mention as foreshadowing. Like, this is a book of, like, stringing together a load of foreshadowing. Yeah. It's not a book that's built around anything else. So it feels kind of... But, like, the amount of foreshadowing is insane. And I think it's really interesting because... So, if Voldemort hadn't made the Diary of Horcrux, Mm. he wouldn't have been defeated. Yeah, and I actually have some notes about this when we get to the bit where the diary is stabbed. I'll go into it. Um, But yeah, I have some notes about that as well. This is what leads Dumbledore to To work work out out. that he has um, Horcruxes and this is also what allows them to defeat a bunch of them, not only with the sword, but then with the fangs. Fangs, because they know the basilic is there. Because actually, like, it's mentioned that there are so few things that can defeat Horcruxes, like, and they're so rare. But the only reason the trio happen to have some is because Voldemort set a plan in motion yeah. where they end up having some. Yeah, you feel like in all of his research about Horcruxes, he would have read at some point, like, can be destroyed by basilics, and he would have been like, maybe I should not let anyone well, know I- that there's conveniently one in Hogwarts. Well, this is the thing. I, I'll skip ahead to this note, actually. It's, this is how arrogant Riddle is, that he makes a Horcrux that has that opens up the thing that wakes up one of the only things in this world that can destroy that Horcrux. That's so arrogant because it's not like basilisks are running around anywhere. They're super rare. Like they don't, people don't really know even that they exist. And he makes a Horcrux with the power to awake the creature which can destroy it. Yeah. It's just so arrogant of him. Mm-hmm. And like, he that's just riddle all over, like placing the Horcruxes in areas that are sentimental to him, using sentimental objects. All of it is so arrogant, it's the reason why he's defeated. Yeah. So Unless actually, he... this makes some yeah. sense. Unless he genuinely didn't realise that Basilisk was no, one of the things, but you feel like he did. You know, if he knew enough to know that leaving a Horcrux would allow the chamber to be open, yeah. then he knew enough to know what he would did. He knew what de- he knew yeah. what destroyed them, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, so Tom taunts him that he's gonna be dead. Yeah. Um, he's literally like, lol, you're gonna die now yeah he's like even Dumbledore the bird knows that you're like, gonna it's die crying. because crying crying <laughs> and I did write a note being like surely Voldemort would know about phoenixes he but does then, because later then, he's like yeah. shoo shoo and I'm like how stupid were you to forget that this is yeah. why you're stupid uh-huh but like Harry's also dumb because he kind of like has to really realize that he's not dying because like he says that the pain is leaving him and that the chamber's coming more into focus and then he's like wait this, this doesn't seem, seem like dying. Like dying. I kind of wish they'd done this. I think it would have been like quite emotional for them to do this even more in the film because like the description is Harry is literally losing focus and can't mm. think of anything. Like he's seconds from death. It's quite a horrible read. If you're like, oh, like, because we know he's gonna live. He's Harry's fucking Potter, and the rest of the books are named after him. Yeah. But like, it's at the end of the day, it's a twelve-year-old boy dying alone mm-hmm. in a chamber under a school like trying it's to just save his sad. friend he's trying to save his friend it's just so sad yeah. um but yeah riddle's an idiot because Fawkes's tears are actually healing harry mm-hmm. and Fawkes riddle says shoo to Fawkes. yeah riddle says it doesn't matter because he wanted to be the one to kill harry anyway so he yeah. could just kill him yeah but can i just say Fawkes is really fucking cat like Fawkes does everything, everything in this chapter Fawkes is basically hermione in this chapter exactly it's like oh what shall we replace the only female character with a, a bird, bird. <laughs> yeah a bird yeah so yeah because Fawkes gets shooed off but then swoops back 
holding the diary for Harry, mm-hmm. dumps it at Harry's feet, and Harry's like, what shall I do with this? I I'll guess I'll stab, stab it. it with the basilisk fan. Um, which makes some sense because Harry knows it's poisonous and bad because it just stabbed him and he's got nothing else to try. So he yep. stabs it, it screams, there's ink spurting everywhere, it's very dramatic. He looks up and Riddle is gone. Dun dun dun! Dun dun dun! So Ginny wakes up and says that she tried to tell Harry what was going on this morning but that she couldn't because of Percy. Uh, Percy yeah stupid Percy so Harry basically like helps Ginny down into the corridor and then he tells Ron through the rocks that Ginny is alive oh it's so cute Ron is like oh my god and Ron's like trying to hug Ginny and Ginny's pushing him away and I was like (laughs) yeah Ginny is just like in like massive amounts of like state of shock which fair you know yeah fair absolutely fair so Ron's made a gap in the rock so they crawl through and then Ron explains that Lockhart has lost his memory yep Fawkes flies them up the tunnel which is just really convenient I had had so many questions about this hadn't thought so Ginny to open the Chamber of Secrets would have had to go down to the Chamber of Secrets during the year Mm -hmm. how was she getting back out was she like riding on the snake this is what I wrote I said did she hitch a ride on the snake because Tom in his time at Hogwarts would have also been hanging out in the Chamber of Secrets to open it up so when these two needed to get back up to the school, were they hitching a ride on the back of the snake? Like, this is actually yeah. something I'm wondering. Yeah, that or like, maybe the tunnel went at such an angle where they could crawl up it, but... It says it was like a slide, though. But you can have a slide that you can you can climb I up I can't slides. imagine Tom Riddle, who's meant to be all charismatic all the time, just being like, right, now I've got to climb up this grubby slide. Yeah, I guess maybe they rode the snake. I don't know, this isn't explained very well, because they're like, how do we get out? I'm like... Surely there's a way because yep. the others have been doing it. You really should have thought about this. Doesn't matter anyway because yep. Fawkes takes them up because this was foreshadowed before because Dumbledore said phoenixes can carry immensely heavy loads. Ron, yeah, whilst they walk to McGonagall's office, teases Ginny about fancying Harry. I'm like, timing, Ron. Pick your moments, Pick Ron. Pick your moments. You've just found out your sister isn't dead but she's clearly traumatised and he's like, hey, hey moaning Myrtle fancies you a bit like you, Ginny. And I'm like, Ron, no, stop, please. <laughs> Bless Ron. And that's the end of the chapter. That is. So on to chapter 18, Dobby's reward. Woo! So they head to McGonagall's office. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Weasley are there along with McGonagall and Dumbledore. This just warms my heart because oh. think how proud they must be. Like they've been told that their daughter is dead and then their like youngest son just walks her in like having just clearly gone and saved her they're like covered in blood and dust and stuff yeah just like imagine like how proud like having a son that then saves go and like risk his life to go save like that's just oh my god Uh, ron and harry this is when like harry really gets accepted into the 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 children of the weasleys yeah um so basically harry tells them everything he tells the entire story the entire plot of book two luckily the book doesn't describe it all but it does say that harry said he guessed that it was moaning myrtle who uh was the one who died and i'm like dude that was ron yeah he literally is like harry's like i guessed it was moaning myrtle i'm like no you didn't it was ron so then harry tells dumbledore basically says how did Ginny get possessed and harry tells dumbledore that it was the diary and dumbledore says brilliant which at the first, like if you were reading this for the first time, it's like a really odd reaction from Dumbledore to say mm. the word brilliant about the diary. But what it, this moment is probably the moment it confirms his theory about Horcruxes. Yeah. Because I think at this point Dumbledore like suspected Horcruxes because that would explain why D- Voldemort is still kind of alive but 
it doesn't have a body and isn't mm-hmm. there. So this must confirm that theory for him. So Dumbledore's actually pretty excited in this moment. Yeah. And uh, Mr. Wheezy has a line that I love here where he says, never trust anything that can think for itself if you can't see where it keeps its brain. Mr. Wheezy has not been alive during the age of Alexa because I can't see her brain. <gasps> I was genuinely thinking about this mm-hmm. because I was thinking, I was like, well, this is, you know, a really good line for kind of like within the Harry Potter books. Like it foreshadows a lot. Yeah. But I was like, in modern day life, this doesn't exist. And literally I was thinking about my Alexa. I was like, you don't have a brain. She knows a lot. And I can't oh see where her God. brain is. Alexa terrified. Oh no. Oh no. She can hear us. Oh, She's no. listening. Go away, Alexa. Alexa, who's your favourite Harry Potter character? Yay! Yes! You can't hear that on the podcast. Alexa's favourite character is Hermione. Obviously. All go ask your Alexas. See if they say the same thing. Oh my god, yes. Please tweet us. Yeah, because if your Alexa us. says something different, then that means, like, did I accidentally program mine by her hearing me talk about Hermione so much? I feel like you actually talk about Ron more than you do Hermione. Well, that, there we go. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so I, I love that line. But also, like, Mr. Weasley, you're kind of a dick. And, like, Dumbledore defends Ginny in, like, the perfect way. Mm. Um, where he points out that, like, wizards a lot older and wiser than Ginny have been tricked by yeah. Tom Riddle slash Voldemort. Which is, like, so true and, like, really good. It's like, you shouldn't be having a go at Ginny right now. Like, she is 11 years old. Yeah. How the fuck? No matter if you've told her before, like... I'm sorry, like, so many people are taken in by Voldemort. You really cannot be blaming Ginny. And that's not what she needs right now. It's definitely not what she needs right now. Um, Do you know what she does need, though? So after, like, Harry has explained everything, Dumbledore tells Ginny to go to the hospital wing. Says, um, the best thing to cheer her up will be bed and hot chocolate. But do you know what would also cheer her up, Voldemort? Some therapy. You mean Dumbledore. (laughs) You said Voldemort. Dumbledore. But yes, therapy. therapy. He's like, oh, just have some hot chocolate and a nap. I'm like... And maybe no. talk to a counsellor? Yeah, yeah. She needs, Please? Yep, yep, yep. She's literally been possessed by the most evil dark wizard ever. I think she needs some professional yep. help. She needs aftercare. She clearly has PTSD. She's in shock right now. Hot chocolate. As much as I love hot chocolate, unfortunately is not a cure for like mental health or PTSD issues. No, no, no. But later on in this chapter, Harry's like, Ginny was fine from then on. I'm like, was she though? But I do feel like this contributes so much to her character because even when you look at her character in this book versus the next book, yeah. like there is such an insane amount of character growth where I do feel like there, it feels a little bit displaced. Like, you know, she is such a, as you know, she has every right to be such a like, child Mm. like silly little child in this book and then we see her as so powerful and Mm. sassy and confident Mm -hmm. and you know just so ginny in the other books and it feels like a really big leap but i think that you know that's clearly because of what happens in this book she's forced to grow old so quickly because of what happens to her 100 and because a lot of people did kind of ignore her in this book she was forced to like do stuff on her own and like yeah. not rely on other people and yeah. have that confidence. And that's what I love about Harry and Ginny is like they're the two people that have been possessed by Voldemort mm. and I love that that's like in their relationship as they they get older yeah. that they have that but I love that their relationship isn't about that. No, like it's, it's not nothing defined about by them but it's nice that they both have had that so they have like a deeper understanding of each other and what's that is like definitely anyway so Dumbledore calls for a feast yes he then sends everyone else away yeah he's like bye Ron no actually first before he sends Ron away he gives both Harry and Ron special award for services to the school but I love what he does before this he like sends everyone away and then he says to them he's like I seem to remember I told you I'd expel you if you ever broke any more school rules 
which is which goes to show that even the best of us can eat must eat our words oh he's so great i love that so much like it's just really good trolling because they're like are you fucking joking are you about yeah, because to even the muggle joins in with the trolling she's like i'll leave you to deal with these two and they're like <laughs> yeah. what deal with us what do we do <laughs> it's so funny so i love good. dumbledore's sense of humor i know so he gives them special awards for services to the school and 400 house points between them yeah but- does he give Hermione nothing? Like, she also deserves special awards. Oh, yeah. She literally solved the damn plot of the exactly. book. Exactly. Accidentally got, you know, petrified because we now know she got personally victimised by Tom Riddle. He was purposely going after her. And he, Dumbledore was like, oh, give it to Ron and Harry. I'm like, Hermione solved the whole thing. Could you go and give her one, please? Uh, definitely. Definitely. So Dumbledore asked Lockhart why he's being so modest. Which I love. They then explain about the curse backfiring. But they don't. Harry leaves Ron to do it, which is really funny. Harry's like, I'm not going to tell him. And Ron's just there like, uh, sorry, sir, Professor uh, Professor Dumbledore. Because this is the first time he's probably ever had a proper conversation yeah. with Dumbledore. He's like, um, yeah, so a wand just backfired. Yeah. He's, he's lost his memory. And Dumbledore's like, okay, could you take him to the hospital wing? Yeah. So then Harry and Ron, uh, Harry and Dumbledore are alone and Harry asks Dumbledore about how Voldy said that he's like him. Mm-hmm. Dumbledore explains that Voldemort transferred some of his powers yeah. to Harry accidentally um, when he tried to kill him, which I love. It's like our first foreshadowing of it. But my question is, in this moment, does Dumbledore know that there's a piece of Voldemort's soul inside yes. Harry? Yes. Yeah. So and he's li- so he is lying. To, like, it's cruel what he does. It is cruel. But but at the same time, you can you couldn't tell him then, and also like he he has to not know. I know, but that's it's what Snape says. You're raising him like a pig for slaughter. Yeah. Like he is, and but I think it's really interesting because the way that Dumbledore phrases it is that he transferred some of his powers, which kind of does foreshadow the whole um, Horcrux thing, but not as much as then what Harry goes on to say, where he's like, so you're saying that a piece of him is inside of me, which is actually like a closer... Yeah. Um, you know, summary of the situation. Um, And it's kind of like, with Harry phrasing it like that, you're like, okay, fair enough, you're not going to remember what you said when you were like 12. Yeah. But you feel like if you know that a piece of Voldemort is inside of you, when you then learn about Voldemort putting pieces of him inside of people, maybe you should have put two and two together. But I don't think he... Kind of, but I don't think he ever thought that a soul could be put into another person like that without affecting them so much. Because he knows that he has, like, some of Voldemort's powers, but he's never... I mean, obviously, and also Voldemort can read his mind, but he's never, like, evil, essentially, yeah. like Voldemort. I so I think that's like... why he doesn't actually think there's a piece. Yeah. I also feel like there's a degree of him not wanting to think about it. I yeah. feel like he always kind of knows. I but... think he does. I think, we'll talk about it, obviously, in book seven, but I think when he puts that pencil in, I think it actually mentions, like, Harry's lying face down on the carpet, and it literally says something about, and somehow he had always known this was the path he was set to be on. Mm. So, yeah, I think from now on... He does. It's somewhere in the back of his mind. Yeah. But what Especially horrifies when he me to is learn like about the Horcruxes. Yeah. What horrifies me is like I know why Dumbledore couldn't tell him. I know that. But Dumbledore continues for books and books to just be lovely and kind to Harry, and you know also be manipulative. And he just knows from here. He knows right here, and is lying to Harry. And it's just, mm. oh, it's yeah. a lot. It is. It's a lot. Yeah. There's also the really beautiful but overdone now line of, of it's, it's our, our choices, choices that show who we are, are. Former, 
far more than our abilities. abilities. It is a lovely quote. It's, it's one of my favourites. Yeah. You're right, though. It has been, like, overdone a bit, but it is a beautiful quote. Yeah. So Dumbledore tells Harry to look more closely at the sword for proof that he belongs in Gryffindor, and Harry realises that it's Gryffindor's sword. Mm-hmm. Dumbledore sends Harry down to the feast covered in blood... Like, no, well, first, like, first Lucius Malfoy enters the room with Harry. No, no, Stewart. but Dumbledore says, oh, oh, you should go down to the feast. I'm like, and I'm maybe like, change. But he's he's covered in... Like, Not just blood, slime. Yeah, slime. Slime. Uh, so yeah, Lucius Malfoy bursts in and Dumbledore, and he's like, oh, like, you shouldn't be here. You know, we governors kicked you out. Yeah. Dumbledore's like, actually, the 11 other dumb, uh, governors called him back today um, and, you know, basically said... Oh, oh we they were blackmailed threatened. him. Yeah, we were blackmailed. Yeah. So Lucius asks if they're like, he kind of sarcastically is like, oh, so I imagine you've caught the person and Dumbledore's like, yep. yep. But also Dumbledore basically, like Dumbledore never out and out says he, know Lucy, he knows Lucius did this whole thing. He essentially does, but he doesn't. But what he does say is, wouldn't it be an awful shame if um, the Weasleys, it, you know, we hadn't found the diary. So everyone thought Ginny Weasley did mm-hmm. it. And it, it was the child of the person who made the anti-muggle laws. Wouldn't that be terrible? And it's literally like him saying to Malfoy, you did this because you hate Mr. Weasley. And it's 100% confirming that Malfoy did do it. Not because, I mean, he did want to rid the school of muggle-borns, but also specifically to target Arthur Weasley. And his He laws. went after his 12-year-old girl. Yep. It's so disgusting it's Mm -hmm. unbelievable like it's abhorrent and i think we forget that in later books because we start to feel like a lot of different things for the malfoys but this is abhorrent yeah so harry realizes that lucius slipped the diary into Ginny's books when they were in the bookshop and then just says it to him and then lucius is basically like "Uh, prove it mate well prove it but like this is the thing like we know that there is a really flimsy like um structure of law within yeah. the Harry Potter books. So they basically know like they well, they don't they know what's going on. They have essentially a confession out of him. Yeah. That's a lot more than evidence that we see other people convicted yep. of. Like, why is this not reported? Why is this Malfoy's not so powerful? Upon? Oh yeah. And like I, I I know it's you know that kind of like, oh well if you're you know white and upper class yeah. and rich you're not gonna but they don't even try No it's Dumbledore like, literally says Malfoy says prove it and Dumbledore says no one ever will be able to yeah but, but like, I'll be coming after you if any more of Voldemort's yeah, possessions like, end up in my at school at least report it like it's it's insane to me that they don't even try fair enough if they tried and it went to trial and then you know he uses but like it really annoys me that no. they don't even be like hmm we should definitely you know at least kick him out of being a governor for fuck's sake yeah because this was literally a murder plot he is kicked out of being a governor is he? In, later in this chapter yeah oh, he's fired um like, this is basically a murder plot. It wasn't just, I want to get my colleague in trouble. It was a murder plot. And yeah, Dumbledore's just like, oh, well, none of us can prove it. I'm like, try. Put yeah. him in yeah. jail. This was a murder plot to murder children in the school. And Dumbledore basically threatens him and is like, I will make sure everyone knows it's you if you try this yeah. again. I'm like, make sure everyone knows now. Yeah, it's like you're contributing to like the broken system yeah. of privilege if you're not even going to try and convict him. Yeah. Like, I just that have- is you're being complicit no you are and i just love how ballsy harry is like dumbledore is skirting around the issue he's like mm, isn't it bad if Ginny does this is mm, he and harry or is he 12 though well exactly and <laughs> harry being actually 12 just goes you put it in her cauldron i'm like whoa <laughs> harry 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 he's a I lot bet, bigger than you <laughs> yeah, i bet dumbledore had this whole thing where he's like harry dude come on i was, I was being really snarky yeah i was being snarky like, you're just ruining you, it you ruined my whole bit yeah so, like i had a thing here you just you've really steamrolled it yeah rolled it so then 
Lucius kicks Dobby through the door and like down the hallway as well. Yeah, like, Dobby's oh. like, he's like, come on, Dobby, leave. And Dobby's actually walking to yeah. leave. And Malfoy's like, kick you through the door. I'm like, wow, did you just want to really hammer home what a dickhead is in this moment? Yeah. And Harry asks to give Lucius a diary back. And Which, Harry- sorry, Harry does end up giving him the diary back. But Dumbledore has the diary in book six. So how the fuck did that work? I don't know. And like, because I'm like, I refuse to believe that Dumbledore would... Let, would... He'd want to study it, wouldn't yeah. he? Yeah. He's just like, yeah, give Weird. it, but make sure you're not late to the feast. I Harry guess... does give it to him. Lucius takes it with him, but Dumbledore has it again in book six. So actually that's a bit of a plot hole there about why Dumbledore let him give it to him and how it got back in Dumbledore's possession. He does guess... have it in book six, doesn't he? Because he holds it up. I swear he does. But I guess maybe like... Dumbledore then could have like met him at the doors and been like, actually, I'm gonna take that. Maybe. Yeah. It's but weird. It, it doesn't. It's it's all done for the sock convenience thing. Yeah. But it doesn't actually Which make is sense. Which a bit he... weird to me anyway because so like Harry puts the diary into his sock and I'm like, okay, like how big are your feet or how small is this diary? Do you know what? I think the diary is exaggerated in the film so that we can mm. see it. I think it is described in the books as like you know when you have a pocket diary, mm. it's that. Yeah. So that would easily fit in a sock. Yeah, but um, so yeah, he stuffs it into his socks and give it gives it to Lucius, who discards the sock, accidentally giving it to Dobby, which I always found a bit weird anyway because you would just throw the sock on the ground. You wouldn't necessarily. I know, well, he didn't but I think try. Dobby was like, Bleh. yeah, but does does that count? And also, like, surely I don't know. I just feel like it's not more of a like, why have you put it in your sock kind of moment? Like, yeah, like why is this in your sock? And also, like weird to the me. convenience of the clothes thing. Does that mean that like? The households have to do all the housework apart from the washing of the clothes. I guess so. Because that's a bit like, if I was going to, this sounds bad, I'm going to say pay. If I was going to pay someone to do all my cleaning, cooking and washing, that I'd want that to include my laundry because I hate doing my laundry. Yeah. I'm not going to pay them to just do, I mean, they're not paying them, but yeah. to just do a third of the tasks. I want yeah. to do all the tasks, but no. Yeah. Anyway. So then we have Dobby being super excited going, Master has given me Dobby a sock. Dobby is free. Yeah, he's so happy to be free. And at this point, this is the only house elf that we've encountered. We don't actually know at this point mm. that, that they are happy. Yes. The majority of them. So at this point, like that is just, I mean, it's slavery anyway, but this is just downright, we see this as unconsensual slavery. Yeah. And it's mad that this isn't focused on more. Obviously, like later on, it becomes knowing a big that issue. they're happy in it. I mean, it's still slavery and it's still not good, but you can understand yeah, kind of why, why no one did anything about but, it. But like, all we have right now is that they all, you know, you yeah. can imagine that all house elves want to be free. Yeah, like Harry and Ron and Hermione just, just kind of accept it. I mean, Harry does, yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's weird. He's 12, um, yeah. So Malfoy goes to basically, unlike in the film, which we'll get to, here Malfoy just basically reaches from as if to like punch him or like grab his robes. Dobby throws a curse at Malfoy, which throws him down a flight of stairs, which is fantastic. Malfoy gets back up to have a go at Dobby and be like, how dare you? And Dobby literally stands there and goes, um, you're like, you'll never touch Harry Potter again. I'll protect like, la la la, I'm free. I can do what I like. And like, and he literally finishes with, you go now. And I was like, yes. yes! I was literally like, it up, Dobby. Like, yes, yes! Dobby! yes. So um, Dobby tells Malfoy to go. Malfoy goes and then Harry says the line. Dobby, uh, he's, Dobby's like, thank you so much. You're amazing. And Harry's like, it's absolutely fine. Promise me you'll never try to save my life again though. I'm really glad he didn't keep that promise. 
But the next time Dobby went, the moment Dobby broke that promise, he himself died. Don't. I'm actually going to cry. Did J.K. Rowling know at this point? I think she did when she wrote that line because it's quite an important line. Yeah. And Charlie's got tears in her eyes. didn't know exactly how. She was definitely like, right. I'm going to kill him next time he saves us. Oh, oh, oh God. I'd forgotten oh. this line was in here and I read it just like, no, 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 no. It's rough. Why have you done this? It's so, really rough. Oh, so. that line is a lot. Yeah. So Harry goes down to the feast and everyone is in their pyjamas and it says that the feast lasts all night, which I love. That sounds like so much fun. If I could pick one night in Hogwarts, yes. it would be this. They're all in their pyjamas. Gryffindor win the house cup. Hermione runs in in the cutest moment going, you solved it, you solved, you solved it, it, you solved it. Hagrid comes back. The feast lasts all night. They're just eating jam donuts and trifle. If I could pick a night in Hogwarts, it would 100% be this one. Yeah. It sounds like the best. Can you imagine the moment when all the Muggleborns walk in though? Yeah. Like they're all sitting there and the Muggleborns walk in and everyone's like, Yes! Oh, it sounds so, so good. good. And also, can you imagine the teachers going to wake the kids up? It's two o'clock in the morning. The teachers must just be like, We're what do they do? Go around the door and just be like, wake up! Like shaking the beds like, it's feast time, kids! We solved it! We solved it! Get <laughs> no, out of your beds! <laughs> yeah. So they get on the train home and Harry asks Ginny um, what he caught Percy doing. Yeah. Um, and Ginny reveals that he had a girlfriend and there's a brilliant line where it says that Fred dropped a stack of books on On George's George's head head, which I love like Like, what was he doing why why was he holding them were you levitating them just for fun or was he just were they just by him and he actually picked them up and dropped them on George's head he was like I'm so shocked yeah. Let me pick them up to drop them. Yeah. It was so, a great line. Yeah. So Ginny walked in on them kissing. Uh, yeah, sure. Sure, Ginny. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was lucky that that was all they were doing. I'm convinced it was more. Yeah. So Harry gives Ron and Hermione his, his telephone number. number. Yeah. He's pulled. And then they finish the book by going through the barrier back into the muggle world. And that's the end of book two. Give me a high five. Right. We did another one, guys. We did another one. Charlie, what were your thoughts on Chamber of Secrets? So I started this book, as we all know, saying that, I mean, we both agree that it's our least Least favourite. And I was like, I'm open to having my mind changed because I said I'm aware that there's like a lot of foreshadowing and stuff in this book. So I will say, yes, my mind has been changed. Okay. It's no longer my favourite, my least favourite book. Oh, Wow. So now I think I prefer this to Philosopher's Stone. I think Philosopher's wow. Stone will always have a really, like, a good place in my heart because mm-hmm. it's, like, the first book. And I think it's amazing. But I think that this one kind of has, like, all the parts that we love about the first book where it's so much more whimsical yeah. and childhoody. But I also think that it has a lot more of a dark side than we ever give it credit for. I mean, we talk about, you know, the books get darker from now on, but I actually think that this one is darker than Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, quite possibly. And I think it has so much foreshadowing that, you know, you cannot remove this book. I feel like it definitely could be fleshed out for the sake of, like, the plot a bit more. It does feel, like, a bit like stringing together a load of foreshadowing and making a plot plot out of it. Yeah. But, yeah, like, I... I love this book. Like, I really love it. I would say I definitely prefer it to Philosopher's Stone. Wow. And I guess we will see what else I rank it above later on, maybe. So... It's still my least favourite book. Not in the sense... It's like we said at the beginning. In the sense of foreshadowing and what it sets up and, like, some of the subjects it touches on, I think it's really great out of all the books and really fantastic. 
but I still think if you asked me to just pick a book off a shelf to read, I'd lean for this one the least. However, that's, I've that's, gained you know a what? That's kind of why I like it, because it is the one that I've read the least. Yeah, and it was really interesting to have such a close reading of it, because I've never really done that, never concentrated on too much, and I've gained a lot of appreciation for it. Like, mm -hmm. there's a lot of great things in it. The way it starts, because Horcruxes can sometimes seem to come out of nowhere, but like this book sets them up so well in a way where you don't realize it's happening. It explains the background of Tom Riddle a lot more, which I think is really important because in mm -hmm. Philosopher's Stone, he's just like the big bad. Yeah. Um, it has Lockhart in it, who's hilarious. And it's got so many iconic things in it. Moaning Myrtle, the flying car, the chamber. Like it's got a lot of iconic Harry Potter things in. So yeah, yeah I still think it's my least favorite probably, but I've, I have a lot of respect for it. And I loved all the foreshadowing. It was so much fun to talk about all of that. Because now we won't talk about Horcruxes again until book six. I know. But like, even when you take aside like all of the Horcrux foreshadowing, there's so much more as well. Like even things like The Polyjuice. Vanishing Cabinet, Polyjuice. Like there is so much littered throughout this book. It's yeah. fucking insane. It was like JK Rowling's dumping ground for foreshadowing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, like it's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. How do you feel about going on to Prison of Azkaban? Really excited. So this, the thing I have such mixed fe feelings about Prisoner of Azkaban, which we will get this? into. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna go into it, and then I was like, no, 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 don't. But like, I do like it's one of my favorite books. But I do have mixed feelings that I will go into when we start it. But yeah, I'm super, super, so super excited. We we've got a few like tweets and people have asked us like, are we excited to get into the meteor books? And like, I was saying this to you earlier. I loved doing these first two books, I really did, but I knew when we started this podcast, I was kind of waiting to get past the first two to get into the deeper subjects of the last five. And like, it's not that I didn't want to do the first two books, I really did, and I really enjoyed doing them, and it's so much fun to do a close reading of them, because they are like, so old, and like, they're a lot shorter, and they're just a lot different. Underappreciated as well. They are underappreciated, but... I knew I was like waiting to get to the end of Chamber of Secrets when the books would get really meaty yeah. and like have so much in them. Yeah. So I am so excited. Yeah, and I also feel like from Prisoner of Azkaban onwards is when we can really get some great guests in because there's yes. just like particular topics that I want to discuss with people. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, so that's going to be great fun. Oh my gosh, but thank you guys again for getting to two books you've done it you've got through 20 episodes of us talking mad crazy so thank you so much for staying on this Shall journey the whole time on how many episodes we think prisoner of azkaban will take well page wise it's only around maybe not even a third longer than books one and two i think it's going to take 15 episodes Ooh, mm, i'm gonna go bold 13 episodes oh you might have swooped in under there I bet it's going to take like five now. Yeah, we'll <laughs> do it race so it. quickly. Um, yeah, I think 13 episodes. Okay. Well, tune in for our next episode, which is going to be the film episode. Woo! We're going to watch it now. Yes, we are. And we need to remember our film structure. <laughs> there isn't one. There isn't one. Okay. We make it up. Um, yeah. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. We'll see you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To keep up with us in between episodes, you can find us on Twitter at Goblet of Wine Pod, on Instagram at Goblet of Wine Podcast, and on our website at www.gobletofwine.co.uk. 
You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes or on Facebook. Thank you so much to our producer-level patron Sandra for her help supporting this podcast. If you'd like to support us as well as gaining access to behind-the-scenes content and bonus episodes, check out our Patreon on patreon.com slash goblet of wine. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and we'll see you in the next one. Bye! Bye.